Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, everybody, to You're Gonna Die Out There. This is our bonus episode. We're very excited to share with you. That's right. For all of you amazing patrons who are supporting us, we did this one just for you. And we a big thank you for all of you. And just know that there's going to be one every month. Just like a period. Oh. But better. <laughs> <laughs> You said just go with the flow, Jen. I don't know. I I wasn't expecting that kind of flow. I feel like that is not a happy occasion. It is is once monthly. Yeah, sure. But we're thinking like happy things once a month. You know, like a bonus episode. Or we may even put some other little ramblings out. Some fun outtakes. Some fun outtakes if you're interested. Oh my God, I have so many hours of outtakes. (laughs) Like hours of us. Gibber gibber jabbering. Yeah. But you know what? It's there. You Mm -hmm. you can listen or you can just ignore it. But this one, this is a full episode, Megan. I am really excited. Wait, does that mean I have to do a science news? Oh, well, you could do a science news. I really should. I wanted to say something. The elephant episode is coming out on the this weekend 20th right yes okay and just so you know save the elephant days april 16th oh so we passed it already we passed it but it's but, it's okay it's, but it's a little fun, retroactive yeah. but it would have been in between when we put episodes out so yeah it's all good all right so the science news is also about elephants african elephants range is just 17 percent of what it could be so you know when we were talking about the ivory trade mm, oh yeah on the elephant episode and how and then also agriculture land so they're they're getting their habitat destroyed and reworked as agricultural land and there's this whole issue with farmers and stuff like that turns out that elephants even though they're like in the farmer's eyes a pest trampling uh-huh. trampling their crops they're still only using 17% of what they would be using if there weren't those things so currently there's about 18 million square kilometers of Africa. That's bigger than Russia, apparently. That's insane. Uh, still has suitable habitat for elephants. That's only 17%. But is it of fragmented what or what's the deal? Well, I yeah. Think it really, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Approximately 57% of the current elephant range is outside of protected areas, which means they have even more limited space uh, for their own safety. That's interesting, but it's also kind of obvious. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So the human footprint is increasing at an accelerated rate and expected to double by 2050 with between 50% and 70% of the planet already experiencing anthropogenic disturbance. Uh, This is what the researchers are writing. Fragmentation of wildlife habitats by humans has resulted in only 7% of wildlife habitat patches being larger than 100 kilometers squared. That's really small. So go support that. Save save the elephant.org. Save the elephant.org. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That is crazy. I feel bad for elephants. I want to hug them virtually. All right. I'm ready to get into it, Jen. Are you ready? Let's get into it. I have absolutely no idea what you're going to talk about. And you checked a word before we started, and I have still absolutely no idea what you're going to talk about. Is it going to be scary? No. Okay. But it's going to, it might be one that pisses you off. 
perfect. A lot. I love it. So you might get fired up over this. Okay, I'm going to talk about the Sentinelese of North Sentinel Island, which is the most isolated tribe in the world. What? Yes. Even more isolated than the Amazon. Yes, people? this is the most the most isolated because they are on an island. Oh, I immediately want to move there. You don't because you're going to die. So North Sentinel is a small island. Imagine like 20 miles squared. Oh, wow. Real small. That's real small. I mean, I've been on small. I've lived on smaller islands than that. Way, 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 way smaller. But that's pretty small. It's off the main uh, shipping routes and surrounded by shallow reef with no natural harbors, which has helped keep it isolated. It's kind of kept it out of the way. It's belongs it's part of the one of the and this is the word i was looking up to make sure i said it right and you didn't know what i was talking about mm-hmm. but it's one of the andaman andaman a-n-d-a-m-a-n islands which is an archipelago in the bay of bengal and i'll put i'll we'll put one of the maps on so you can see it imagine mm-hmm. burma to the on the right side sorry in india on the left getting it it's in that bay right Oh, and it's it's really long and kind of thin. That's all the islands. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So if you kind of see it, it's kind of off to the side and it's real small. It's just one of the islands within that chain of islands and Andaman Islands. It is home to the Sentinelese people, which um, Mm -hmm. they're indigenous and have chosen voluntary isolation and they have defended it by force to protect themselves from the outside world. I think I said 20 square miles, it's about 23 square miles. It's about 22 miles to the west of a town called Wandor, W-A-N-D-O-O-R, mm-hmm. and um, that's in the South Andaman Island. It's about 31 miles west of a place called Port Blair, which is kind of like a hub for where kind of people live and within those island chains. I would say it's like the major you know, area where people would live. Mm, like a hub for 80s bullies? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like... Blair. It's like if you were going to be like, I'm going to go visit these islands, and yeah. what's the main island? That uh-huh. would be it. You would go for Port Blair. Oh, yeah, like Blair. <laughs> like Blair from Blair. Uh, Facts of Life. Or uh, Blair. Wasn't that Blair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or Blair from Pretty in Pink. Blair. Oh, yeah. That was a cool name back then. How come nobody's named Blair anymore? Because they were all jerks. Yeah, they were kind of like the preppy jerk kids. Yeah. But, you know, you could still, like, turn them around to see the good side. Every Blair that listens to our podcast is unsubscribing right now. I'm a fan. I love the name. So this is the North uh, Sentinel Island, and also there's a South Sentinel Island. Okay. Just so you know. But the North Sentinel Island is the only one isolating themselves from everyone else. Yeah. Okay. DNA analysis from the other islands, Mm -hmm. their tribesmen, I guess, uh, suggests that Sentinelese are among the world's oldest communities, with generations going back 70,000 years. What? Yeah. So the Andaman and and there's also the Nicobar Islands Protection Mm -hmm. of the Aboriginal Tribes Act of 1956 prohibits any travel to the island and any approach closer than five nautical miles. What happens if you go four nautical miles? Are you going to tell us? Well, the thing is, is it's protected. Okay. So the the Andaman and Nicobar Islands police, they cruise around and they protect that. They make sure nobody goes in. That's amazing. Yeah. And it, it's basically there to prevent, they, they're trying to prevent that tribe from contacting, contracting any diseases because right. they have, they have no immunity to anything. So if people were to go in, they would die. According to a 2011 census, based on anthropologists that have studied this tribe for okay. many years from yeah. a distance, estimate that there's somewhere between 80 to 150 people on the island, but it could be as many as 500 or as few as 15 
That's a range because no one knows. Yeah, there's no development on this island. No, nothing. Yeah. Is it just like subsistence living? There's no commerce. It's like going way back in time. Oh my God. Yeah. Some people called it like Stone Age living, but it's not quite because right. they have fires and they've they right. acquired things. And I'll kind of talk about them. I'll give as much information as I could find on sure. the Sentinelese people, but there's not much known. So they're related to other indigenous groups in that chain of islands, but they've been isolated long enough that the other islands, there's one called the the Anj and the Ja'arwa. They're, so they're close by islands within the archipelago, but they don't understand their language. So they've been separated long enough that they cannot understand each other's language what? within a chain of islands. Well, how would they know that they can't understand each other's language? Well, they've just... Wait, because there's people okay. that have been close enough to record words or things, okay. but they, you know, like people from those islands have made it close enough to hear them yeah. and not have understood anything. And they're like, what? Right. There was a single visit in 1967 mm-hmm. where some people actually were able to walk. And this is in recent time. And I'll go through kind of like a history of visits where they were able to walk through the village. So the island is forested and there's no, there are no coconut trees. Oh, we because those are introduced. Yeah, that's right. Right, right, right. So it's just a small. It's a forested island, and they know that they live in like lean-to huts with slanted roofs. The huts are built facing one another, and they each one has like a small fire outside. Mm. It's thought that they live within um, three small bands. And they have two different kinds of houses, like large communal huts with several. They say hearths. Hearths. <laughs> oh, like a like a fire place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they can have a communal hut with several fire pits for a number of families or they'll have like temporary shelters with no sides which someone can be seen some of those are like on the beach Mm -hmm. and those are more for like a single family oh and they're naked i was gonna assume they're just naked it's probably warm no need no need the women just wear like a fiber string tied around their waist and their head and neck so maybe just to hold stuff like i don't know if the one around their waist is just to care like a i don't know if they're collecting leaves or something yeah and the the men will wear necklaces and headbands but a thicker waist belt because they carry their spears bows and arrows well they are naked and not afraid they are naked and damn pissed they also build these really small narrow outrigger canoes which Mm -hmm. is awesome and they're so small that they said like you can barely i mean it's just like super skinny and they use like these long poles Mm -hmm. to just go around in the shallow waters and um, fish for crabs and small and whatever. fish. Yeah. yeah, whatever. They believe, and this is what they know, right? They think and they can gather that, that they're hunters, hunter-gatherers. Mm-hmm. So they're, <laughs> they gather that they're hunter-gatherers. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably live on fruits and tubers that grow wild on the island. They didn't see when they've like flown over, they haven't seen any kind of like agriculture, like where they've cut down trees and right. started farming. They don't see anything. So it might be like agroforest type living. Right, I was going to say like probably if they are growing their own stuff, they're just in the forest. Right. Which you don't clear when you do agroforestry. Yeah. And so they don't have, you know, actual crops, but... Yeah, they probably grow their own fruits and whatever sweat so you said they're really they're really angry people yeah they're, they're agro foresters that's, oh, that's, no, sorry that's so bad i might cut that <laughs> they, they also um believe that they eat eggs from seagulls or turtles and then small game like maybe birds or wild pigs but i can imagine they have wild How pigs. Would they have pigs yeah well i'll get i'll put some that's what they said but i have another like thing they, to add to that yeah. later they definitely carry bows and arrows because everybody's seen that as well as spears and knives that is something that any visitor that 
that's gone there has been threatened with. And they're very, very good at using their weapons. A lot of the tools, because if a like an arrow has flown out to somebody (laughs) and they kept it, they could see that they're tipped with iron, which probably washed ashore. And there have been some shipwrecks around that I'll talk Mm. about later that they got the iron from, they believe. They also weave these mesh baskets, which makes sense. From some of the shipwrecks and the salvage crews that went out in the area or people who have gone out in the area describe bonfires on the beach at night and sounds of people singing, but nobody, the language, like nobody understands the language. You know, so anthropologists or people are calling them Sentinelese, but no one knows what they really call themselves or how to greet them or talk to them in any way. The first record of people passing by or, you know, or documenting the island was in 1771. A British surveyor reported night night lights on the island suggesting that there were people there but they had they were on kind of some sort of other survey mission so they didn't stop they didn't check it out they just documented it and kept on going Mm -hmm. and so that was how that remained for another hundred years so far so good then in 1867 an indian merchant ship called the nineveh ran aground on the reef. And so there were 86 passengers and 20 crew and they managed to swim, get to the beach and they hung out there for like three days, just like not sure what to do, waiting for somebody to come rescue them. After those three days, the Sentinelese people were like, all right, we've had enough of this. And so they started bringing in their bows and arrows. And so so there's really no other side to the story, only the passengers and crew that made Uh it to the beach. It's like we don't know if they did if the passenger crew did something to offend these people who live on this island. Yeah. So they were being attacked by the Sentinelese. No one knows why. We don't really know, but we know that the passengers and crew fought back with sticks and stones and were able to defend themselves Mm -hmm. until this Royal Navy vessel came and rescued them. them. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that was 1867. And so while they were, you know, there, like the this Royal Navy ship, they were like, we declare Sentinel Island part of the Britain's (laughs) colony holdings. They're like, this is ours now. I'm sure that meant nothing to the Sentinelese. They were like, whatever, asshats. And that was when a young Navy, Royal Navy officer named Maurice Vidal Portman. Vidal. Vidal. Like Vidal Sassoon. Um, he took charge of that col- those colonies and those islands. And he was like, fancying himself this like really awesome anthro- anthropologist, uh, even though he wasn't. He yeah, was yeah, probably yeah. just a douchebag. And he landed on North Sentinel, Par- uh, North Sentinel Island with a large party of these naval officers. And he also brought along with him some convicts from a uh, penal colony that they had on one of the other, the Great Andaman <laughs> Island. <laughs> what? <laughs> penal? I mean, thinking about Australia, that's all. <laughs> Whatever. And then also these Andamanese trackers. So mm. these are the people from the other islands, other tribes right. that didn't understand the language. And they wouldn't have understood the language at that time either, right? No. Because it was like, you were saying, yeah, okay. okay. It had been a long time since yeah. they had contact with any of the other islands. So when they got there everything was empty it was like people just peaced out real fast which i would have done i'm sure they have like a plan like okay if anybody shows up here this is what we're gonna do it reminds me it makes me think of a pop apocalypto oh that yeah. mel gibson movie that yeah, movie yeah, is yeah. freaking good and insane and it is good i hate that mel gibson directed it i know it's so gory bloody yeah but so good anyway they found that like everything had been just vacated rather quickly but they did find they found a woman with four small children and they took her Mm. and after a few days he released her 
I don't, I mean, this is all it says, right? Yeah. And this is probably just from their notes. So who knows what kind of craziness. So they released her with one child and gave them a bunch of gifts. And they're like, okay, go, go back with our germs. And then where are her three other children? Yeah. After a couple of days, they found this old man and with his wife and they had a child with them. So I don't know, like grandchild or I don't yeah, know, yeah. some kid was with them. And the guy, the old man tried to fight back, but one of the convicts <laughs> jumped on him and they took those along with the other children and they were t- brought back to that Port Blair, that main um, right, right, right. place on the other islands where people probably it's just like a port that both yeah. came in out of <laughs> Port Blair. Immediately, the two older people became sick and died. So the rest of the children were all sent back to their home with presents, probably including some diseases. Like, diseases. What diseases? presents would you... Jesus. I don't know. Probably like stupid stuff. They wouldn't even ever care to have like some dolls or... I was just about to say some can- creepy... I mean, candy. Some, I don't know. Some creepy doll that closes her eyes when you lay her down. <laughs> Those old like timey... Little, little white doll. Like white with blonde hair mm-hmm. and these like... People are like... Like, what? They're like, why are you giving us this ghost doll? This is the creepiest doll I've ever seen. <laughs> this isn't what people look like. This it's, is like an alien doll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. After that, the Sentinelese were definitely like, you know what? You guys can all just F straight off. Like, yeah. they were not happy about this. In ni- 1896, so a couple years later, an escaped convict was found. <laughs> I guess they was trying to flee the Great Andaman Island penal colony. Yes, yes, yes. And they, he was on like this make, makeshift raft and he washed ashore. I guess what they found was this search party that was looking for him found his remains a few days later full of arrow wounds <laughs> <laughs> with his throat cut. Jesus. Um, they found. I think they found him on the beach and then they found remnants of the bamboo uh, raft with clothing from the other convicts because there was like three or four of them that oh. and they assumed that they had drowned. It's like, I'm on an island. I've made it. And then it's just like, just like a bunch of arrows. <laughs> and then like one guy comes running out with a knife, just slit your throat. Yeah. Then just, you know, just finishes the job. So after that, the British were like, you know what? Let's just leave these guys. They may not want us here. I feel like That's these people. That's kind of progressive of them at that time. These, I, yeah. No, but they, it's what I said. They wisely decided to leave the Sentinelese in peace, and at why, least for a little while. Why couldn't the British Empire do that for, I don't know, every other? I feel like this tribe was particularly badass. Aggressive. A super aggressive and but also aggro (laughs) but also i see where you're going (laughs) but also that it's it wasn't an island that they particularly cared about it wasn't Mm. part it wasn't on their route i guess it's kind of off to the side on its own they don't have any mineral there that i don't think there's anything that they want from that island it doesn't have a good like it said earlier area no, it doesn't have a harbor to like really oh, right, get your right. boats in, you know, so you'd have to anchor pretty far out and then take like a small mm-hmm. canoe or whatever raft in. So it just it didn't offer much for them that they would want to fight for it. Right. Because if they wanted to, they could have. This is true. They did it with all the other islands. In 1926, so a bit later, Lieutenant Colonel MJ Farrar landed on the island. So I guess they went and they like meandered around the island because uh-huh. everybody had left and they're like, oh, what's this? And they took some bows and arrows. They took some of their shit, 
which isn't cool. And they even took a skeleton. I don't know oh, whose skeleton, no. but if it was one for them. And then he left like some stuff for them. And it says like files, mugs, plates, cloth, and so on. Like a like a nail file? I don't know. Or just like some or manila like, folder? <laughs> <my files. laughs> my, just, like right? just like a cabinet file. <laughs> there's no key to it. Everybody's <laughs> like, I don't know what. Like there's some files in here manila about. Folders. We don't know. We don't speak your language this means nothing to us <laughs> i don't know if like to file things right like a yeah. big file it just yeah. says files and he noticed in his note in his note taking that the sentinels seemed to shoot birds for the air <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> shoot birds. Sorry. where's your head today it's is it the haircut i don't she just like did the middle finger like shooting birds by the way that was they're like the most punk rock it's not even it's not even they're hardcore yeah it wasn't even that funny to me but i'm glad it's so funny to you i'm just like that's dumb so they hello we're talking about a tribe here shooting birds so the arrows were usually being barbed with birds bones barbed with birds bones i say that five times fast i did a good job and decorated with feathers so that's something that what is wrong with you? Just give me a second. Decorated with feathers? I don't, I don't know. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, because they're trying to talk about how they live, Megan, and they used bird parts for their bows and arrows. I'm Me- good. Megan is having an issue. So I guess he explored around for the day, and then he was thinking that there are probably about 60 people there. Based on his calculations, um, the food supply, and that's what his estimate was, that there could be no more than 100 people that could be supported on that island. So that was in 1926. And then a bunch of... So some of that, the pieces that they stole... Yeah. Some of it ended up in museums and some of it were taken by like police officers or people who came with him. And they just like, like they just sockied that right up and just hang on. Yeah, they just kept it. In March of 1970, there was this team of anthropologists from the Anthropological Survey of India. And this was, I feel like this was probably one of the more definitely goodwill. Like we just want to make sure you're okay. We don't want to interfere. We want to give you if you need anything kind of thing. Like we just want to give you stuff. Yeah. But we don't want to bug you too much, I guess. We just want to, they just want to. <laughs> they just want to give them graphic tees and some underwear. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I just want to give you some of my podcast merch. <laughs> That's it. So they anchored their ship off because obviously they can't pull it in. And also they want to keep it out of like where, you know, arrows range. Right. Yeah. And then some men went ashore in a small boat, but were chased off by the <laughs> Sentinelese. Um, and they came from like two different directions and they just like hightailed it out of there and they even shot some arrows in the water and there was actually i think at that time there was i'm trying to think if it's this time or another time somebody actually yeah i think it's this one in the mm-hmm. 1970s there was a national geographic guy that got shot but he was okay it just yeah. kind of like like a photographer injured. yeah <laughs> then they started throwing like fish out in the water like for them like here we're trying to just bring you some stuff mm-hmm. and so the men actually went in the water and started getting the fish and they could see the women kind of peeking out out from the forest they tried approaching again though they picked they took the gifts they were like still shouting back at them like yeah right. give us your fish you know they, <laughs> they were they couldn't understand what they were saying but it seemed threatening and so they i guess like this, this is kind of funny the people giving the fish mm-hmm. the people from the survey 
survey, anthropological survey, they started shouting back this, like repeating the same words back. <laughs> and like, because they're like, we just want to be friends. And they're like, you know, so I guess they thought it was hilarious. And they were laughing. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> And they even, so on one of these trips, because there was like several trips, they gave them two pigs and a doll, which is... <laughs> what is... Look, <sighs> let me just leave you this two pigs and a doll. <laughs> Here and they go. left them on the beach and they watched as these, as the Sentinelese murdered the pigs, like speared them and then buried them along with the doll. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Do you think the Sentinelese people thought that the pigs were like worshiping the doll humans a little bit or something <laughs> they're like oh like in their minds they're like wow this is what mankind has evolved to <laughs> these freaking pigs let's kill them they didn't even try to eat the pigs no they didn't try to eat them well because they don't yeah there aren't any pigs on the island they i mean they probably were like they're trying to poison us or kill us because right. we don't eat pigs yeah. yeah they might just be like nope we're not eating that like fish that kind of stuff like yeah i like how they tried to introduce an ungulate i know right <laughs> like, well i think it was actually yeah. the Sentinelese maybe they people, were sterilized the, maybe the sentinel sentinelese people were like uber conservationists yeah they're like they're no gonna wreck our species. forest no get out of here yeah yeah but actually okay so the national geographic direct um film crew director that was in 1974 and he caught the arrow hit his thigh and there was another one that exiled king leopold iii of belgium passed close to i don't know what that's about an exiled king leopold but that's awesome that's like a whole nother story but he passed close to the island on a boat tour in 1975 and they like shot arrows out to warn him off and i guess he was super like thought that was the coolest thing ever <laughs> <laughs> probably why he was exiled he's probably a little like <laughs> a little bit off they tried to land you know several times but and they would leave gifts like coconuts bananas iron um sometimes the sentinelese were like okay like mm-hmm. We'll be okay. And then other times they were just like, take all the stuff and then shoot a bunch of arrows at them. <laughs> they just stab all the bananas and bury them. <laughs> they, I think they kept the bananas, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they just, they're like, I just love it that they like grab stuff, ran, and then start shooting arrows. Right. Like. <laughs> um, in 1981, there was a cargo ship called the Primrose with a crew of 28. They ran aground on the reef in the same area as the other one remember the one from yeah. the 1800s uh-huh. the nevea this time the, they had a helicopter come in and save the sailors and they said that the sentinelese seemed to oh they were actually trying to get to them but there was something about the the waves and the current mm-hmm. that kept them away but they were scared super scared because the sentinelese were like there with their knives and bows yeah. and arrows and they're like we're gonna come murder you but after they had this crew go out and try to what's the word salvage the ship but they said that the sentinelese were already getting there and you know getting parts and things like scrap metal and stuff that especially things that washed ashore to use for their weapons or even like not just weapons but tools tools and Mm -hmm. things yeah whatever they're building like a massive arsenal Oh, so in 1991, some of the Sentinelese came out to the beach with like baskets and instead of weapons, they didn't bring any weapons with them because they were kind of getting used to them coming Mm -hmm. and they started getting coconuts. And there's actually a video of this and it's pretty cool. You can find it like anywhere. If you look anything up with these guys, they Mm -hmm. you can find this, but they actually got really close to the people like the the people were like handing them the coconuts and they were taking them and it seemed like everything was kind of good. Until um, one guy pulls a knife out of his butt cheeks. <laughs> right? <laughs> out of his butt cheeks. <laughs> 
they said one of the stories was an um, interesting scene played out. A man raised his bow to aim them at the visitors, but a woman standing next to him pushed the bow down, and he responded by dropping the bow and arrow, arrow and burying them in the sand. So they're matriarchal. Sounds like the women. There's also this other part that I read, and I didn't include it in here, but it was something about another thing that they observed was the women came down to the beach when all the men were out there and kind of sat, they sat on the beach and like held them and they say like a passionate embrace. Hmm. It was almost to like claim or show like their partners or who's with each man or I don't know. It was, they said it was really interesting. They don't know what that was about. This is my property? Yeah. I wonder if it is a matriarchal. That would be... That'd be pretty kick-ass. Yeah, probably. Well, we don't know. It would make sense that they're like telling the men to like, no, don't let anyone be on this island. Right. Because that's kind of the smart thing to do. So for the guy burying his bow and arrow, so they weren't sure if it was like a show, like a ritual display showing like, okay, we're not going to use weapons. And that was or either for the visitors or for the rest of the tribe, because then they all came out and started like getting the coconuts and stuff. This is kind of a cool little, you know, thing. There was this anthropologist, um, Madhumala. Mm-hmm. And I won't even try to say her last name, but she was the team's only woman. And she they really actually had never allowed any women to go there. And she'd wanted to do this since she was a, a child. And so she, as an anthropologist, had spent, or by this time, six years researching them. And she's put out tons of research papers. Since women were never allowed to go because of the safety issue, she had to sign, her and her parents had to sign a, a waiver basically saying... Like you know. if you get shot with an arrow between your eyes, like it's not our fault. Yeah. It was like something in writing to so that her or her family or nobody would try to claim compensation from the government. She got to go and she there's pictures of her like doing passing the coconuts, which is, I don't know, it's pretty cool. So there's a whole article um, in an interview she did in National Geographic about that. Maybe if uh, everyone had just sent women on the ships. In the first place? In the first place. Since they r- rule the island. All right, maybe. And maybe that's why it was successful. But she said they went back a month later with a larger team because they wanted to get the Sentinelese familiar with all the team members. Mm -hmm. And she said that at that time, they watched us approaching and came out to meet us with their weapons. She said they they didn't want to just collect the floating coconuts that they climbed onto the team's boat and took entire bags of coconuts. They even tried to take a rifle belonging to one of the police, mistaking it for like a piece of metal because they've never seen a rifle. Right. And so one of the team members um, tried to take an ornament made out of leaves worn by one of the men. And he got mm-hmm. super angry and he took his knife out and told him to basically gesture that you guys need to leave. And she's, she says they left. They were supposed to make a third trip out a few months later, but there was bad weather. And when they went to the beach that they didn't see anybody and they just went back. And that was the last the last time that they've been there. So after that, the administration decided that they shouldn't probably be going out there anymore because they didn't want to expose them to anything else, like mm-hmm. any diseases. And also probably assuming that, you know, they're done with us. That gesture with the knife asking them to leave was just kind of like... They're like, you it. overstayed your welcome. Yeah. It's too bad you can't do those kind of things when you have like a house guest that stays too long. <laughs> just bring out your knife. <laughs> just like... <laughs> and just do like the slow like slit. They'll be like, oh. It's time for you to go. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I guess I shouldn't come back. One of the anthropologists stated like, if we tried to venture into their territory without respecting their wishes or got too close for comfort, they would turn their backs on us and sit down on their haunches as if to defecate. 
This, this, was, this was meant to be an insult. If we didn't pay heed and stop, they would shoot arrows as a last resort. Oh, my so God. So there's another thing you can do. They are. When you want people to get out. <laughs> Just turn around and squat. Squat like. Do you like, do you think that they looked over their shoulders? Were they looking over their shoulders? Like, yeah, you, you know what's happening right now? Well, and they're naked. Well, yeah. So. But I'm just saying, like, do you think they would be like eye <laughs> contact while they're, <laughs> while they're, like, while they're pooing? <laughs> I don't know. But that would be like, that add like a layer. A level. Yeah. Of intensity. Agro pooping. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So after, in 1996, the Indian government suspended any more visits. That's kind of smart. Yeah, I feel like they get it. Then, remember the 2004 tsunami? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. After that, the Indian Coast Guard helicopters flew over the island thinking... Decimated. Nobody's survived. There is a picture of this taken from the helicopter of a man running under the helicopter trying to shoot the helicopter with a bow and arrow. (laughs) (laughs) I love these people so much. I can't even begin to I know. They're just freaking hardcore like you gotta respect they're like the most badass people yeah so a couple years later in 2006 there was an indian crab boat harvesting crabs in their area and that's a problem with around the island is um poachers Mm -hmm. and the boat drifted ashore and the sentinelese killed both the fish fishermen and buried them well that was nice that they buried them well they probably just don't want them stinking up their island (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) i mean that sounded really bad but, but still. still. So now we're getting to a more recent story that okay. was in the news yeah. not too long ago. In 2018, on November 16th, 2018, 26-year-old Christian missionary John Allen Chow went to North Sentinel Island, stood on the beach, and began singing church hymns. Let's take it back to talk about that guy. So John Chow was born in Alabama, but grew up in Vancouver, Washington. His father is Chinese and his father is a psychiatrist. Um, He has an American mother who's an attorney and he has two siblings. He was very much into um, outdoor adventures and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Jen, can I talk to you for a moment? (laughs) Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. (laughs) He was raised in a Christian home and his family appeared to have, it looks like at some point, or I don't know if they still are, members of the Assembly of God, which is that Pentecostal church where they're, I think they speak in tongues. and Yeah, they run down the aisles and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I've been to one of those. Yeah, I haven't. I'm, it's I'm an cool. Ex- it's an experience. I'm good. So he was known to be an overachiever. He was into all these clubs and charities, just like that guy. He yeah. was in the Royal Rangers, which is a Pentecostal scouting organization where he got a gold medal of achievement. And one of the medals requirements is reading or listening to the entire Bible. Well, you know, I I mean, mean, it's totally fine. That's that's what you're into. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. But just, okay, we'll we'll save it. I I know you're going to have a lot of opinions. I have a lot of opinions. So he loved hiking. There's, okay, yeah, there's nothing wrong with reading the Bible. There's nothing wrong with practicing your religion, whatever it is. Absolutely. Do your, you do you. You do you, exactly. Yep. But it's just where this goes is Mm -hmm. the issue. So he loved hiking, camping, travel, traveling. He was really into blogging. He was really on social media. Like there's tons of stuff on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like of all his travels. He was really into quoting somebody named Jim Elliott, who was one of five missionaries killed by a tribe in Ecuador in 1956. And by the way, I got most of this information from a Guardian article. So like his father, he attended the Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma, which I'm familiar with. I mean, only because I used to see the guy on TV. Me uh-huh. and when we were kids, he would be 
you know, because there's like, we didn't have a lot of channels. Yeah. And he would be on one of them preaching and we would make fun of him. Is, his first name is Oral? Oral Roberts. Yeah. Oral or, or like O-R-A-L? O-R-A-L. Yeah. At Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma, <laughs> he was super immersed in the evangelical culture. I mean, they're hardcore. The conservative university forbids smoking, drinking, swearing, and any kind of sexual relationships outside of the heterosexual marriage. I mean, you know, just the drinking, smoking, swearing, I would have been booted on out of there. He traveled a lot. I mean, he was really gearing up to be a missionary, you know, right. so this was his thing. He was, he spent one summer during college at a Christian soccer academy in South Africa, and he graduated in 2014. He went on a uh, trip to Kurdistan to do outreach to uh, refugees. He also went to Israel it was sponsored by another Covenant Journey, which is an organization, like a right-wing Christian activist. People trying to convert anybody, Israelis? Anybody and everybody. In 2015 and 16, he took four trips to the Andaman Islands, and he made contacts with the local Christian community, but didn't vi visit North Sentinel, but I'm sure heard a lot about it. By 2017, he was accepted into this boot camp, which was part of this organization called All Nations, located in Kansas City. It works to see Jesus, and I'm using this as quoted, worshipped by every tongue, tribe, and nation. They want to you know, indoctrinate mm -hmm. um, the mm -hmm. Christian religion into mm -hmm. every, the world. So, and they say that we make dis strategic decisions in the battle we're waging against the real enemy, which is Satan. <laughs> 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 we need some death metal right there. So in October 2018, he got a tourist visa and he went to Port Blair. Port Blair. <laughs> Blair. Oh, yeah. Port. Come on, Blair. Seriously. He stayed with some other fellow missionary people that he knew. And he started to put together like his plan. So he had an initial contact response kit, mm -hmm. kind of like our survival kit. Right, right. <laughs> but not. And it had picture cards for communication, bandages. It says dental forceps for removing arrows oh so he like knew yeah he i'm was, gonna get shot yeah I mean, he was like realistic about it and on gifts, some level yeah i thought he was giving those to people because it said picture cards for communication i mean maybe he just yeah i i mean how is a picture card gonna work when the arrow goes through it i know well that's interesting you say that so hold on oh, okay. so and gifts for the sentinels were like tweezers scissors cords safety pins and fish hooks are all pretty good with which to stab him <laughs> tiny tweezers and scissors <laughs> so one of his things is you know he knew that the reason they didn't want people to go there was because they could in infect yeah. the you know population there bring diseases and so he put himself in this like self-imposed quarantine for 11 days and had like all these vaccinations so he did that thinking he was all smart but on the night of november 14th he paid these five local fishermen uh the equivalent well, 25,000 rupees, which is about 350, 350 US dollars. He paid them to break the law, essentially, and take him close to the island. So they went out at night because they needed to avoid all the Navy ships and mm -hmm. Coast Guard vessels. And the next morning at light, he tried to make his first approach. So the fishermen were like, we are not going any closer than this. Yeah. You can get out right here. So he stripped down to his underwear. This is 
what the fisherman said and he because he thought it would make the sentinelese more at ease if he was like naked or in his underwear i don't know and he had this foldable kayak and he jumped in it and paddled to shore and this is all in his journal his diary journal that he wrote this down so this is how they know this and i guess mm-hmm. he was a prolific like journaler so and they have all of his journals so. i'm a little bit jealous of that because i've always wanted to be a really good journaler but i can only fill out like the first page like half the first page and then i'm like all right i'm gonna do tomorrow Dear and then diary. <laughs> eight years later i find it and i'm like oh yeah i was gonna do that journal yeah i know i'm really bad at that stuff so he saw some huts and some dugout canoes he as he paddled up to the beach and several sentinelese their faces were painted yellow and they were they were speaking a language of high-pitched sounds oh so they're screaming at him basically and they came running out he was in his kayak and he shouted <laughs> My name is John. I love you and Jesus loves you. Yeah. I mean, that's when the Sentinelese began stringing their bows. (laughs) He panicked. He threw this fish at them that he had brought. What he wrote in his diaries that he turned and paddled like I have never in my life. Damn straight, you should. Is this a survivor story? Just hang on. <laughs> Later that same day, dum dum, he made another attempt. <laughs> oh my god! But this time he went all the way up on the beach. No, he laid out more gifts and approached the hut that he was chased from earlier that day. It says he was out of arrows range, but and then all these sentinels came in and started to whoop and shout. I mean, they're warning him. They are yeah. giving him every warning. Basically, he walked closer to try to hear what they're saying. And he tried to like say the words back to them, but they just started laughing at him like they do. And he wrote that they were probably saying bad words and insulting me. He sang worship songs and preached from Genesis, Megan. Jesus. And for a while, I think that it says basically they kind of tolerated him. And I think they were just mildly like entertained. They're Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck? What's going on with this guy? And then this little boy shot an arrow at him, like a little 10 year old boy. And it struck his waterproof Bible that he was holding, like he was holding it on his chest. Like that was intentional. Yeah. For sure. Because if they wanted to shoot him in his eyeball, they could have. I yeah. bet that 10-year-old could for sure. Um, he took it out and he gave it back to the kid and then he left. He peaced out. Hmm. They took his kayak from him. Wait, <laughs> so, so how did he have to swim? So he had to swim like a mile back out to the fishing boat. Oh, man. Because they're like, yeah, we'll be keeping that. So we're going to keep this. So I think at this kayak. point, they're like, he's got to have gotten. I mean, surely gotten he knows. In, the, in his diary that night, he wrote, I'm scared watching the sunset and it's beautiful. It says he was crying a little bit, wondering if it'll be the last sunset I see before being in the place where the sun never sets. He's going so to hell? like, he knows. Oh, oh, the sun never sets. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Sorry. <laughs> in hell because it's burning your skin off well, it's mean, like a, the sun is, is right like, there just... <laughs> um like the actual sun so and he also wrote and uh he wrote to his family you guys might think i'm crazy and all this but i think it's worth it to declare jesus to these people is this satan's last strong stronghold he asked god a place where no one have heard or have ever had a chance to to hear your name like he's writing to god in his journal do you think he's like suicidal I think he's just trying to martyr himself, honestly. Yeah. But I mean, he definitely knew. And I think that the Sentinelese people definitely were like, we gave him a clear message. It reminds me of when I'm telling my 11, almost 12 year old, if you do this, Mm -hmm. this will be your consequence. Mm -hmm. And then he does it anyway. Right. 
And then you have to like get your bow and arrow <laughs> and string sh- it. <laughs> and then you turn around. Him. You're like, I'm going to defecate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so on the morning of November 16th, he asked the fisherman to drop him off alone. Like he knew the risk, but he just was determined that he had to save their souls. They That was the last time anybody saw him alive. On November 17th, the following day, the fisherman said, this is what they said that they saw the Sentinelese dragging a body, apparently his dead body, along the beach and burying it. This Guardian article that I'll put the link to, I like what they wrote and I'm just going to read it because I couldn't like say it any better than how they wrote it. But they wrote, Chow's decision to contact the Sentinelese who have made it clear over the years that they preferred to be left alone was indefensively reckless. But it was not a spontaneous act of recklessness by a dim-witted thrill-seeker. It was a premeditated act of recklessness by a fairly intelligent and thoughtful thrill-seeker who spent years preparing, understood the risks, including to his own life, and believed his purpose on Earth was to bring Christ to the island he considered Satan's last stronghold. So they're saying it was reckless, but you knew and you planned it. Mm-hmm. You got what you, you you got what you had coming. And I think that that's yeah. the consensus for everybody. So there was a lot of like, I mean, there's so many articles after this happened and they're all around the same time. And you can't really find one that is recent because I think everybody was just like, oh, my God, this thing happened. What a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> so so even his dad was just pissed at the Christian church. They're like, they made him a fanatic. It wasn't supposed to be that way. These people are crazy. So even yeah. though he had gone to school there, I think years later, he kind of moved away from it. Mm-hmm. And he said that it was something that he knew his son had gotten kind of like over the edge fanatical. But he said they just chose not to discuss it. Wow. Like it's something they didn't talk about because it was just for his dad, it was too much. But it's like how people are since 2016. You just don't talk about certain things anymore. <laughs> right? It's like that, because you yeah, know that, that awkward. You know that some people in your family might be in a cult and some people in your family might be normal. Yeah. That same uh, anthropologist that had visited them years earlier, and he's retired now. He's like, look, they've made it clear they don't want contact. They're fine on their own. Everybody just needs to like back off like just leave them leave them be there's a really good article on outside online which i talked about in some earlier episodes yes they have great episodes they have great articles but this one's by alex perry and he went through like all there's like three parts and he went through like kind of what happened and went through all his journal entries and everything he posted Mm -hmm. anyway it's really interesting if you want to go back and look at that just to get kind of more of like the psyche like what was going on in this guy's head Right. Which I feel like it, you know, I didn't go back and want to read it because I feel like I grew up with people like this around me at churches and things because I was forced to go to church and I was like, what's wrong with you? I mean, there were just those people who were just really super into it mm-hmm. and really extreme and wanted to go to people's houses and knock on their door and talk to them. And I was always like, yeah, no. So kind of like in 2019, this is the follow up like a year later. This is kind of like the aftermath of what happened. So the police never were able to recover his body. I think they tried a few times and then they were just like, (laughs) no, we're not going to do this. They even started like looking at if they're going to like charge anybody with it. But I mean, who are you going to charge? Yeah. And he was trespassing. So they did arrest the fishermen. I was going to ask. And I can't find anywhere if they're still in prison or they were let out. Mm -hmm. So one thing that the the police were looking into is talking to his 
friends that stayed at Port Blair that you remember he stayed with some other missionaries. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. they're trying to get them back for questioning, but nothing like that has happened yet. And this happened in 2018, right? Yeah, happened in 2018. There's speculation all over the islands that maybe he's still alive, that they kept him alive and he's still there. But that anthropologist who's 84 now, he's like, look, he's like, there were some government officials who made contact, you know, back in 1967. Mm-hmm. But this guy is probably dead. They said that um, the police had gone to him to ask him to help get his body. And he was just like, no, I'm not going to help. We're not going to retrieve. He said, it is unlikely that he may be alive. He would have surely found a way to come out of the island. It was a foolish adventurism on the boy's part. I advise the government to not make any contact in trying to retrieve his body. The Sentinelese people do not need us. They have lived on that island for thousands of years. The islanders must be allowed to live their life without any interference from the outside. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, that's the kind of preaching we need. So there's this um, there's this organization called Survival International. They work with local indigenous tribes and to try to protect, help keep them protected. And they have lobbied the Indian government to double down on their policy to provide protected status to North Sentinel Island. So that would be to keep would be tourists and missionaries like from being able to go in and also to stop poachers, fishermen from poaching right. in the islands, you know, um, like the waters that are supposed to be protected. The, actually, they say that poaching is more of an issue than the trespassing because if the waters get overfished, it could be a matter of life or death. For those, yeah, for those people. Mm-hmm, because that's a big part of their diet. And that is the organization that I put down to support is mm-hmm. is called survivalinternational.org. They work in partnership with tribal peoples to campaign, lobby, and protest for their land rights. They also investigate, expose, and confront atrocities committed by governments and big business, and they aim to amplify the tribal voice and make it make sure it's heard. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, they seem really cool. You should they their website's really nice. You can donate to them. Some of the information I got was from their website. They have information about the Sentinelese. I also got uh, articles from National Geographic, Forbes, Wikipedia, of course, The Guardian, and there's a few others, but we'll list all those. It's an interesting story, huh? That's an interesting story, Jen. You know, I have I have so many feelings. I knew you would racing through my being right now. I I don't think he was a bad person at all. I think mm. he really thought what he was doing. He really believed what he was doing and believed in it. I the only thing, I mean, he really didn't hurt anybody but himself. Right. You know, he got Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, hopefully, but he was killed. He knew he was going to be killed. I feel sorry for his family and I feel sorry for everybody, you know, that knew him and kind of knew he was misdirected. I guess what he did was wrong. It was a it was criminal. I mean, in the end, I mean, he got the ultimate, you know, come up and yep. Yeah, I don't know. I just have have a lot of strong opinions about proselytizing. You know that. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us do like just do your own thing. Yeah. Like you don't need to go around and do You know, I went through a period of time where I had kind of like a low point in college. Mm -hmm. And there was this girl that I went to school with. And she was very much like, you know, have you found God? Have you found God? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she, I mean, when I look back on it, I'm like, man, she really worked on me. Yeah. Like she really put everything in to like somehow getting me to uh, find Jesus. And I, I, for a period of time, kind of like went along with it because I was in kind of a bad place and I wanted to feel accepted by people. Right. And it got to this point where I was like 
talking with other people about Jesus. And I was like, really? This is not me. No. Yeah. No, Jen. Whoa. Seriously. It was freaking messed up. And even when it was happening, I was like, this is messed up. Like, I don't, do I really feel these things? I'm just parroting what she's saying. Uh And I think that particular time in my life makes me really angry when other people... Because you feel like you were vulnerable and somebody took advantage of it. And she took advantage of it. And it, I mean, it infuriates me because I feel like, thank God those Sentinelese people had freaking bows and arrows. I feel like at the same time, I feel like when people, they really feel like to them that they're Mm -hmm. really trying to help you. That's what they think. And I, I don't know. For me, I would I don't feel angry about it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel unless somebody's like really up in my space, like being aggressive. That's mm-hmm. the only time I'm not cool. But but if they're just talking to me, I mean, because I know that their heart is really in the right place. They're not trying to like hurt you. They feel like they're trying to save you to from help you to help you. Yeah, right. it's really it's it may be misguided and it might not be something you're interested in. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the end, they they're they feel their heart is in the right place. I think it's the aftermath for me of like you, I don't want people to feel it's okay to to it, push those. And I mean, even though she wasn't necessarily pushing, yeah. she was in a way. It was, it the if the conversation, I think too, it's just like, if the conversation becomes uncomfortable, I don't want to be in it and I don't want to have that conversation anymore. And I'm the kind of person who has a really hard time being like, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. Right. And so I think maybe it's things like that that made you better at it now because you're okay with it now. I mean, kind of. If if someone comes up to me and they're like, oh, do you believe in Jesus? I'm going to be like, I mean, I do. I have. Uh, I think I practice it a little bit when Jehovah's Witnesses calls the house because apparently this number is on, <laughs> is on some kind of list. And they're like, hi, I'm calling to you to talk to you today about Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an atheist. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, hang up yeah, the phone. they call they call my mom too. But no, that I, I feel like I don't get angry about it. Like I said, unless they're being aggressive, mm-hmm. yeah. because I feel like it's just that's what they believe wholeheartedly. And they think that whatever religion or whatever they're they really feel like they're gonna help you by just having a conversation with you you know it's not breaking any law yeah um but this guy he pushed it he broke the law and he knew he what he was doing Mm -hmm. and in the end he was murdered you know he was killed he he paid the price yes i but i still don't i mean i think he's like seriously misguided but Mm -hmm. not you know not a bad person just too extreme and i feel sorry for his parents because they're just like dude this is not how we raised him this is not what we had in mind we want him to be a christian and have these beliefs but not like to this extent Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and some people were saying in other articles like maybe he was you know just a big time adventurer and wanted to do something that no one else could do push the limit yeah like Mm -hmm. that's kind of how i feel i feel like he somehow had it in his head that he would be the one to win them over where no one else could right and that would make him some sort of really special person celebrity yeah his realm yes like he could be that guy and i guess he used to read about some other missionary who ended up going to some tribe in the amazon and ended Mm -hmm. up living with and around them for years but they'd killed everybody else before that yeah and he kind of had that in his head like i i'll be the one and he wasn't he was not the one he was not the one and there shouldn't be a one and everybody should just leave them alone and just let them live their lives in peace how they want to that's that's the end story is yeah just leave people alone especially when they make it very clear that they want to be left alone yes yeah 
it's sad and it's tragic for that guy, but it's kind of like Inevitable. putting your head in an alligator's <laughs> mouth, you know? Yeah, at it's some like, point. you know. I feel like we talk about this a lot with people who do things that it's like they know that they're dangerous on some level and they still have that. Like going and living with bears? Right. It mm-hmm. seems very similar to that narcissism. Yeah. That like, I'm going to be. The one. The one. Yeah, the one that can do this where yeah. no one else could mm. and not respecting the boundaries of whether it's nature or people people's rights and them protecting themselves because I guarantee it was passed down by generations because what happened to all the other Andaman Islands, they saw those people's numbers. And I don't, I didn't really get into this, but from the early on in the 1800s, when the British started colonizing the islands, Mm -hmm. they saw their, these other tribes dwindle from disease. Right. From like thousands down to maybe a few individuals. It's like maybe one of those individuals made it over there to North Central Island. They were like, you know, crawling up on the beach, like, don't let them come to your island. Yeah. Yeah. They knew. They knew what was up. They were like, we have to protect ourselves by any means possible. And luckily, they just are in in a location that they can be avoided for the most part. Yeah. Like they nobody needs that island. That's the I think the saddest part of this whole story to me is that all these other islands that got colonized mm-hmm. and taken over and because killed. because they're strategically important or they have a mineral or this is some I mean kind of unwanted island. And that's the only reason they didn't get decimated <laughs> and taken over. Yeah. It's like they it's difficult to get there and no one gives a shit. I mean if there's a hundred people, for sure. If if the British wanted to oh, colonize. That's, that's I mean, nothing. They would have. Yeah. There's no harbor. I mean, there's nowhere to bring your boat in. But I right. mean, they, it wouldn't matter if they wanted the island. They could they have taken done it. it. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, they're one of the few in on left on Earth. Well, when we all die from whatever next pandemic comes <laughs> through, then I mean. North Sentinel Island, they'll be the... uh, They'll be the only ones. Yeah. Or when the zombie apocalypse happens. Well, we can't go there for safety. No. (laughs) Nope, can't. But they'll be the only ones. Wouldn't that be crazy if everything, like all human race vanished except for North Sentinel Island? I wonder what what the minimum population has to be to ensure like genetic diversity is enough that there aren't these you know like health issues i'd be interested to know it's like i kind of they want said the people there drive. seemed really healthy and seemed fine and if you watch the videos when they come out you see like pregnant women and kids i mean everybody looks fine looks good to go well th- that's gonna be the new fad lifestyle slash diet sentinelese yeah right <laughs> like paleo yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's funny yeah we could start that we just because we just be making it up because nobody knows we're like eat some crabs some mussels absolutely no coconut i think that yeah i think that's why they came out i think they really love the coconuts so uh that's all i have for you um today Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you were going to i guess i mean to me you don't even need anything in your emergency preparedness kit i feel like you would need something similar to all the tiktoks about do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? <laughs> I feel like you just need a good pair of running shoes. A good pair of running shoes. Um, well, you know, I was thinking about it, Jen, and I feel like there's one thing that they could have brought with them that would have warmed the hearts of the Sentinelese people and really disarmed. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. No, I don't even know what you're talking about because your brain is all <laughs> curly hair today. I don't know what's going on. Jen. What? You have to stop by a Japanese cat island, get yourself a freaking kitten. 
Oh. <laughs> Definitely. A little furry baby kitten. Yeah, better than a f- crazy freaking doll or like some pigs. Right? But I bet they would have just speared it and buried it. <laughs> <laughs> just instantly just... sad. Like, oh. Oh. <laughs> that it. didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> or like a giant fat cat. Yeah. Just throw one of our cats up there. They're just like. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we could eat off of this for months. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Can you imagine if cats are introduced and everybody's just sitting around like petting like cats? <laughs> like just, just cats. Everywhere. They just wear them like around their neck. Oh, that, that would be funny. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. when they come out with like to protect themselves, the cats also come out all right. like sharpened claws. Maybe, maybe they like attach the cats to the, <laughs> the arrows. <laughs> they just shoot cats at people. <laughs> I love it. So cat arrows. Yeah, that's what. Well, I mean, that's what the Senegalese people need, honestly. Because I, I think it's another situation of like not necessarily what we would need because we're not going to go there. Yeah, but the Senegalese people need cat arrows. Or just cats. Or just cats. A lot of cats. I wonder how that would be, uh, how that would be taken. All those anthropologists out there would be like, yeah, no. <laughs> I feel like you'd have to, you'd have to send like a cat like on like a little, would love it. little raft over <laughs> to see if they were like, like what would happen. Like a tiny kayak. Yeah. You see like a cardboard cutout of a cat. Or just like a little, Somewhere. the little boats that you, oh yeah, the cardboard <laughs> cutout and see if they shoot at see it. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we could write a grant for this. Oh, it's happening. Look, we know they want to be left alone, but we have this really good idea. But listen, everyone <laughs> needs cats in their lives. And you know, there's a lot of stray cats. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's neuter them. Mm-hmm. And we'll just spay and neuter spay and, and neuter. then just send them to uh, North Sentinel Island. Perfect. Done and done. They would love it. It's a great problem solved. But I'm thinking about it. I bet you they don't have a lot of invasive species. Like they bet they don't have rats. Oh, yeah. And they don't have, I mean, and cats would be an invasive species they for would sure. Be. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I'm thinking about it that their island has been been pretty well preserved, mm-hmm. probably because you know it's been protected by boat with bows and arrows. I bet it's really quiet. It would be the coolest thing to like be um, a bird in the tree and not getting killed, but just to right. watch. Yeah. And see what happens. I'm sure there's like anthropologists and, you know, people who study different indigenous cultures. I'm sure they would just mm-hmm. be dying to know what goes on in there. They haven't sent drones or anything over? Uh, no, not that I'm aware of. That would be... They would shoot them <laughs> it's down. Just, yeah, it's just like the last the last video of the drone is just an arrow it's coming It's like the helicopter. Forward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was a great story, Jen. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. So we'll have another story. I think Megan's going to do a story next month for May. Yes. And a bonus episode for our patrons. And so stay tuned for that. Keep checking out our website for some cool merch because you're getting a discount. What? Because you're a patron. If you haven't received your promo code yet, let us know by sending us an email, but we'll make sure and get those to you. We'll shoot you that promo code just like those arrows. <laughs> That's right. Shooting quick. them out like those t-shirt. Yeah. Like, t-shirt, t-shirt guns. T-shirt guns. That would be good for cats. Too. Oh, there we just go. Saying. Just load it with cats. <laughs> do, 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 do. Shoot them onto the island. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. With little, with little um, parachutes. <laughs> oh, uh, so until then. Don't die out there. Bye. Bye. Bye.
special to me. I'm All just right. about to sing that song. Were you? We I need to like, stop doing the singing. I, well, I think that our podcast has turned into like a half karaoke. <laughs> that's no good. Because that's when we drink too much and we're in some random bar in Palau or something.